Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. If you got your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you open them up to the book of Joshua chapter 4? Joshua chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, let me encourage you, grab one of the hardback black Bibles from under your chair. If you're using one of those, we'll be on page 180 today. Today, we are picking up where we left off last week in our series in the book of Joshua, which we've entitled Heading Home, His Faithfulness, Our Obedience. Last week, we were in Joshua chapter 3, and as we looked at chapter 3, we saw God do some pretty incredible things. Israel was standing on the east banks of the Jordan River. The river was in its flood stage, nearly a mile across, with a raging current, and God commanded the people to go across. Now, they didn't have boats. They didn't have a bridge. The fords that they might have considered using were inaccessible due to the flood, but still, they needed to move across, and God provided the way. He told Joshua to have the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the the sign of God's presence among God's people. He told them to take that and step into the waters and just stand there. And as they stepped into the waters of the Jordan River, the Lord stopped the river and allowed all Israel across on dry ground. God worked wonders among them. It was a powerful demonstration of his presence with them. It was a powerful demonstration of his sovereignty over the whole situation. And as we come to chapter four, we're actually going to look back at that moment, but from a different angle. We're going to have a bit of a different perspective as we see God work wonders among his people. So let's dive in. Joshua chapter four, beginning at verse one. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from out of here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. 
about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to the place and, and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we dive into this text and we look at this, I ask that you would speak to us. Get me out of the way and help us to see that this narrative about the history of Israel as they crossed over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan is a message to us as well. Help us to see the importance of remembering what you have done in our lives and, and help us to recognize that when we remember, we're able to serve you better because of it. Help us to go where you lead us to go. Help us to do what you lead us to do. And, and part of that, God, is that we would share the good news that we have found in you. Help us to share what we've learned, to take it and apply it and put it to work in the lives of other people. God, we ask that as we work through this text, you would work in us, encourage us, empower us to serve you every single day. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Back on January 1st, Tam and I celebrated our 20th anniversary. Now, when we got married, we were both on active duty in the Navy. Tama was stationed over in San Diego, California at the time, and I was stationed on the other side of the country in Newport, Rhode Island. We had been engaged for over a year, and we didn't know for sure when we would, or, or really if we would ever be stationed together again. So while we were home in Washington State on leave for Christmas, we decided to throw our wedding together. And what that meant was that we didn't really have time for a honeymoon. We went up to Seattle for a couple of days, but that was it. So as our 20th wedding anniversary was approaching, we decided it was time to do some, something about that. And, and we decided to go spend a week away in Savannah, Georgia. Now, neither of us had ever been to Savannah before, but I had heard from numerous people that Savannah had a lot of really good food. And if you look at me, you know I like good food. So Tam and I decided that we would go and spend a week in Savannah, and that, that's what we did. We had a blast. It was a really great trip. But it wasn't until we arrived there that we realized just how historic and beautiful Savannah is. And one of the things that makes Savannah so beautiful is it's 22 squares in the old historic part of the city. If you've never been there before, these squares are all like miniature parks placed every few blocks in the city. And each one of those squares is named and, and dedicated to important people or events in American history. 
So there's Reynolds Square, which is named for Georgia's first royal governor, John Reynolds. And at the center of that square, you'll find a monument to John Wesley. You know who he is? He's the founder of Methodism. He served as an Anglican minister to the colony of Georgia in the 1730s. There's Green Square, which, is a, with, which has a monument to the Revolutionary War hero, General Nathaniel Green. Lafayette Square, we all remember the Marquis de Lafayette, right? He was a critical French ally in the American Revolution. Franklin Square honors Benjamin Franklin. But perhaps my favorite square is Chippewa Square, which commemorates the Battle of Chippewa during the War of 1812. It was my favorite, by the way, not because it commemorates that battle, but because that is the spot where all of the bus stop scenes in the movie Forrest Gump were filmed. That movie was on TV last night. It was great, but I just loved that. All of these squares were planned and designed in order to honor and commemorate important people and events in the history of Georgia and in the history of the United States And that was all intentional because it's important to remember our history. It's important to remember what has happened in the past. And as followers of Jesus, that is especially true for us. It's important for us to remember the goodness of God, of how he's worked, of what he's done, of of how he's been faithful before. Because when we remember that God, what he's done in the past, and we remember that our God is unchanging, we remember that he will be faithful in the future as well. And God wants us to understand that. In fact, a major thrust of the first portion of Joshua chapter four is God commanding Israel to remember and then commanding them to set up a monument, a memorial, so that they will remember. Let me show you that. Beginning at verse one, the Bible says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, From each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones out of here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Now, that's the command right there. They're picking up stones out of the riverbed itself from right where the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant had been standing, and they're taking them to the place where they're going to camp. That's what they're commanded to do, and that's what they're doing. They're taking the stones from the very place that God had performed the miracle, and they're going to lay them down up on the shore. In verses 4 and 5, Joshua repeats the Lord's instructions to the people, but it's not until we get to verse 6 that we see the why behind this command. Take a look, beginning at verse six, the Bible says, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The whole point of picking up these stones and setting them up was to remind Israel of what God had done. And as we continue into verse eight, we see them doing that. Joshua says, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Now, it's important to recognize right here that like you and me, Israel had a track record of forgetting, but they needed to remember. They needed to remember God's faithfulness. They needed to remember what God had done, but Israel had this habit of forgetting. 
Now, as I was preparing for this message a while back, I, I came across a statement that scholar Dale Davis made about this section of Joshua. He noted that here in Joshua 4, we can observe an underlying assumption at work. He says, what we're seeing here is that the greatest enemy of faith may be forgetfulness. And I think Davis is right. The greatest enemy of faith may be forgetfulness. I know I've experienced that. And I'm willing to bet you have too. God will do awesome things in our lives. We'll see God heal us. We'll see God resolve situations that we didn't think could be resolved. We see God do all kinds of incredible things in our lives. Families are restored. Addictions are broken. Lives are made whole. And God will work in our lives like that. And we'll be good for a while. But slowly, over time, we start to forget it's not intentional. We're not deliberately saying, hey, thanks, God, that was awesome, but I'm moving on now. No, we just slowly lose track. And this happens in just about all aspects of our lives. For example, I am not a math guy. I never did well in any of my math courses, but in high school, I knew that at some point I wanted to go to college, and so I studied and, and tried to learn anyway. I remember studying to memorize how formulas worked, how you're supposed to do advanced algebra and trigonometry and calculus. But after I graduated from high school, I enlisted in the Navy. And then I had to learn other things and all of that math I had learned got away from me. I didn't intentionally forget. It just happened because I didn't continue to rehearse what I had learned in high school. I forgot. So when I got to the University of Washington in my early 20s, I had to take some refresher courses. Even then, I, I didn't do very well. If we want to remember things, we need to be intentional about remembering. And that's what this is all about here. God is setting the people up. He's giving them these commands so that they will remember to remember. And we need to do that too. Remember to remember. Remember how God has worked in your life. Rehearse it. Talk about it. Celebrate it. And we should do that in our personal walk with Christ, but we also do that collectively. There are aspects of our liturgy, of how we worship, that help us with that. Every month, we celebrate communion to remember Christ's atoning sacrifice for our sins. Each December, we celebrate Advent to remember Christ's first coming to earth and to look forward to his second coming. Every spring at Easter, we remember that Jesus died for our sins, becoming the once-for-all sacrifice for our sin. And we celebrate that he defeated sin and death by rising from the dead. It's so important to remember to remember. And that's what these stones were all about. But as we keep moving into verses 9 and 10, Joshua reports something that may be a little bit confusing, but I don't think it should be. Take a look. The Bible says, And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The confusion that surrounds these two verses has to do with the stones that they talk about. Now, did Joshua set up one set of stones or two? Is this a second set of 12 stones that Joshua is setting up in the river? Or, or are these the same stones that the men carry out? There's a whole lot of debate about whether that's the case. And that debate mostly surrounds how you translate the original Hebrew. 
how it's been translated into English here in the ESV, which is what I preach and teach from every Sunday. It looks like there are two sets of stones, but in the NIV translation, it looks like there's just one set of stones. That Joshua gathered some stones and he placed them by the feet of the priests as the people were crossing the river. And then they came and took those stones out and they set them up at their camp. But the truth is, it's not completely clear. And there are really good arguments for either case. So here's what I would say. Don't let that worry you. The whole point here is not whether there is one set of stones or two. The point is that Israel was being commanded to remember that God had done this wondrous work right in front of them. If there are two sets of stones, one in the river at the exact spot where the wonder happened and then one over on the dry ground where they camped, all that is is a double reminder of the goodness of God. So what we're seeing here at the beginning of Joshua chapter four is a command to remember, to remember. Remember what God has done in your life. Rehearse it in your mind. In those moments where your faith is growing weak, think back and rehearse how God has been faithful in the past because he will be faithful in the present and faithful in the future as well. That's what we're seeing here in the beginning of Joshua chapter four, but it's not enough to just remember what God has done in the past because we follow God in the present. And as we continue in chapter four, what we see is the people following God in the present. We're gonna see a whole bunch of people right where God has placed them. And as we see that, we ought to understand that this is something we can emulate. As we follow Christ, we need to recognize God's place for us. Now, let me show you that in the text. Beginning there at the end of verse 10, the Bible says, the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. As we look at these verses here, it could be really tempting to see them as just this narrative telling us how everybody got across the river. But I'd like to challenge you to look a bit closer because we're also seeing a whole lot of people right where God has placed them. We've got the people of Israel themselves. They're crossing over in haste. They have this urgency to obey God's instructions and get across the river. And then we've got the warriors from the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossing over into Canaan. We talked about these guys a few weeks ago in the second half of chapter one. Their inheritance was on the east side of the Jordan, but they had promised Moses and the Lord to send all of their warriors across the river with their brothers to help take possession of the land. They were going to fight with their brothers until all of Israel had received their inheritance and only then would they go back home. And then now right here, we see them right where God put them, leading the people across. You've got the priests right here 
carrying the Ark of the Covenant, standing in the riverbed and walking out as the crossing is completed. They are right where God told them to be. And then finally, you've got Joshua and he's leading all the people. The mission that God gave Joshua was a daunting mission. But as the Lord gave that mission to him, he told him, be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And as the Lord gave him the instructions for this plan that like, can we just be honest? It's a crazy plan. This crazy plan to get Israel across the Jordan. As the Lord gave him those instructions, he also told him, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And now as Joshua leads the people across the river into Canaan, God is keeping that promise. Everyone here has heard the instructions. They've recognized the place that God wants them to be in that moment and they're where God is telling them to be. And that's something we can emulate. We need to recognize the place that God has for us and then be there. And part of that is understanding that God intentionally places us in order to equip us and empower us to serve him. Listen to me, church. Where you live is not an accident. Where you go to school, where you work, the circles you swim in, none of that is an accident. God puts you places in order to serve him. And we need to recognize that. Sometimes that means we need to work to know and understand God's will. And then as God reveals his will to us, we go where he tells us to go. Other times, it simply means we ask. And that can be as simple as as praying something like, God, you've got me here. Uh, How can I serve you where you've placed me? Have you ever had a job where where you get to work and and as you get to the parking lot, you park your car, you you just have to sit there in your car and, and motivate yourself to get out of that car and head into work? Ever, ever had, am I the only one that's had a job like that? I've had that a couple of times. I, I distinctly remember that there were days where I would pull into the parking lot and before I'd get out of my truck and head into the hangar, I, I'd just sit there and pray and I would ask the question that I just told you to ask. I, I'd say, God, I know you've placed me here for a reason. And while that's not completely clear to me right now, what that reason is, I I don't fully understand it. I know that you've placed me here. So would you help me to just serve you right here where you've placed me today? God puts us places where we can serve him. So we need to recognize God's place for us and then serve him in that place. And then... We need to remember that part of serving the Lord will inevitably mean that we share what our God has done. As we return to the last few verses of chapter four right here, this almost feels like it's simply repeating what was said at the beginning of the chapter. And to an extent, if we're being honest, it is. That alone, by the way, should grab our attention. Whenever we see the Bible repeating something, that should draw us in to see that whatever is being repeated is important. But as it repeats the instructions about remembering what God has done, there's this added emphasis on the need to pass those memories along. So we don't just remember what God has done, but we take those memories and pass them along. We relay the memories. Take a look, beginning at verse 19, the Bible says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. 
And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord, your God, dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord, your God, did to the Red Sea, which, is, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. As the people finished crossing and they set up camp at Gilgal, they built the memorial that the Lord had commanded them to build. And for a second time, Joshua gives them instructions on why they've built the memorial. Now, earlier in the chapter, in verses 6 and 7, the emphasis was on remembering that God dried up the waters of the Jordan. The emphasis was on the miracle, on the wonder that God had worked. But now, here in verses 22 and 23, there's more to remember. Because Joshua says, when your kids ask you what this is all about, you tell them Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. Here, the reminder is of the miracle that God worked, but it's also a reminder of the crossing event itself. These stones remind them that God stopped the river and gave them dry ground to walk on, but they also remind them that they walked across the river. And when we take those two reminders and we put them together, it creates an even more important reminder that God has given all of Canaan to them. And the whole point of the memorial was that they would remember to remember how God was in charge of it all, how God had blessed them with this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, this land that would be their land of rest. This memorial was a reminder of the might and the work and the goodness of God. And it was a reminder that would be passed on to the next generation. Just like all those memorials that Tam and I saw when we were up in Savannah. The idea was that one day fathers and mothers would see it. They'd tell their sons and daughters what had happened. One scholar noted that the idea was that you, you could imagine, you know, 15, 20, 30 years later, they're walking through the Jordan River National Park there in Israel and, and the parents are there with their kids and they're walking and they see this massive stone of 12, 12 stones, this massive pile right there. And, and the kids ask, hey, what's this all about? And the parents would say, hey, these stones over there, they're, they're important. They remind us that years ago when, when I was younger than you, as we came into this land that we live in now, God parted the waters for us and we walked across on dry ground. God gave us the land, all of it. He gave it to us. It was his blessing to us. We didn't earn it. He gave it to us. And then right over there, right over there on the water, do you see that spot? That's the very spot where all of this happened. That's what's happening right here. The idea is that they would take their memories and they would pass it on to the next generation. But it goes further than just the next generation. I want you to look at verse 24 again. The Bible says that they share that this happened so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. You see, this sharing is meant to extend out in expanding inf circles of influence. You share what God has done with your kids and, and then you share what God has done with your neighbors and then you share what God has done with strangers at the public's parking lot. The idea is that you remember to remember, but then you take those memories and you relay those memories. You share them with other people. 
And we do all of that for the glory of God. Did you notice that? Right there in verse 24, all of that sharing wasn't supposed to terminate on the people who are doing the sharing. You don't share so that you look good, but it wasn't even meant to supposed to, to terminate on Joshua. It wasn't even supposed to terminate on the nation of Israel. All of it was meant to terminate on God himself. They share so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that the whole world would know that God is mighty, that God reigns supreme, so that all would know and fear the Lord. That's why they shared. And that's why we share too. We want to remember how God has worked in our lives, but we want to take those memories, those times where God has worked in our lives, and we want to share them with other people because that's how we're going to effectively communicate the gospel into people's lives in 2022. We're going to do it by saying, listen, how God changed my heart. Listen, how God changed my life, how he forgave my sins, how he made me whole. We take those memories and we relay them in order to glorify God. Because that's the mission he's given us to accomplish here in 2022. Christ commissioned every single Christian, not just the pastors. It's not just me and Nathan. It's not just the deacons. It's all of us, every single Christian to go and make disciples. That's our mission. That's why we exist, so that we can talk about what God has done. Listen, I am not ashamed to admit that I am a bit of a history nerd. I have always been a history nerd. I got a minor in American history with my undergraduate degree at the UW. And because of all those monuments and all of that history connected with the city of Savannah, I really enjoyed my time up in Savannah with Tama. We saw a lot of monuments, but there was one monument that was particularly cool to me. That monument, it's known as the Washington Guns. It's a pair of bronze cannons that were captured from the British at the Battle of Yorktown and donated to Savannah's Chatham Artillery by President George Washington himself in 1791. The cannons are under this cover and there's a fence around them. You're not supposed to be able to get up to the cannons, but I couldn't help and try to t reach out and touch one of those cannons while we were there. I, I know I'm a nerd, I get it, but, but it just seemed so cool to me because I figured that there is a high likelihood that George Washington had touched those cannons. And if I was able to touch one of those cannons too, that cannon would serve as this real link between me and George Washington. Like I said, I'm a bit of a history nerd. But, but as I was thinking about all of those man, monuments there in Savannah, and as I was thinking about the Washington guns, and then I was thinking about this text this last week, I, I realized that when we share our memories of what God has done in our lives, we serve kind of like the link that those cannons made between me and George Washington. Those cannons were a personal connection for me to George Washington. And when we share our memories of what God has done in our lives with other people, we become that personal connection between them and God. We're able to introduce them to Jesus and then watch as God changes their lives and creates new memories that they'll be able to relay. And as they relay those memories, they glorify God, which is what it's all about. We serve a good God. And we want to share the goodness of God with every person we meet that's what all of this stuff here in chapter four is pointing us to. 
So let's get out there and do that. Let's be the kind of church that shares the gospel, both personally and collectively. Let's make a difference for Jesus. Let's share the goodness of God. That's my challenge for you today, church. As we head out of here, let's remember to remember what God has done in our lives. Let's treasure those memories. Let's be in the place that God has called us to be in. And then let's take those memories that we treasure and let's share them with people who need to hear the gospel so that God will be glorified, so that more people will come to know, love, and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's why we exist. And I think we're up to that challenge. You think we are? Good. Okay, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.